Welcome to Thriving Your Love, a podcast where we will guide and help you improve your most precious relationships in life. This podcast is produced and hosted by certified emotionally focused therapist, Claudio Vargas Silva, licensed marriage and family therapist, and Trisha Kim Walsh, also licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome back viewers and listeners to the podcast, Thriving Your Love with Trish and Claudio. Here we are. And Claudio, we are continuing our conversation. We said that this was going to be a topic where we had several episodes and I'm confident that our listeners, viewers are going to appreciate the topic yet again. It's how to understand a narcissist partner. And we're going to be talking about symptoms of what we often experience firsthand in behaviors. We want to slow this down, get more curious and understanding what is happening inside of someone who has these narcissistic traits. What does it look like? What are the intentions? What's the attachment need? How do you respond to it, Claudio? These are, this is again, a hard topic and it affects so many of us. So where do we begin? I want to remind our viewers that we try to normalize and not really pathologize just remind that all of us have a little bit of that in us. Yes. So I even like studying, reading about these different mental illnesses because I can see that I have a little bit of everything. But what happens with some people is that sometimes they go a little bit to the extreme of those traces. The thing is that People still can change and we can understand them and then learn how we can deal with them. So the first symptom that I would like to talk is about the pride. Like we see a narcissist person, we think that they are too confident, that they think that they are better than everyone. And actually, if we would look into the microscope and if we would see inside of them it's the opposite they are not really sure of who they are you know they have a kind of fragile ego and they are trying to feel important they think that other people want to put them down because this is what happened in their childhood they perceived that people around them were trying to put them down and prove that they were better. So they become intended to revert that thing. So it's like, I want to show you that actually I am better than you. So they are trying to prove that they have something special about them. So this is why they are in an eternal competition, constantly in competition with everyone. If they have a partner, they are trying to prove to their partner that they are better than they. And if they have children, they are also trying to put themselves as they are perfect and they are the role model. And they are constantly doing that. What they don't realize is that they end up doing to people what they felt it was done to them in their childhood. Right, right, Claudio. It's really important to understand 
the inner longing, the attachment need that Claudio, we're normalizing is it's very normal for a child and for a teenager to want to be the center of attention, that that's their narrative is that everything in the world that's happening is through their own lens. It's when we outgrow this, when we start to establish empathy and validation of other people's experience, when we start to build relationships with friends and we begin to seek partnerships is that we do transition and graduate from these, these symptoms, these symptoms of uh, selfishness or the focus of only one's feelings and needs and, and experiences and perspectives. But with someone who has narcissistic features, specifically this trait that you're describing, Claudio, is it's all about me. It's the all about me experience that causes a partner who may have been very impressed. Because again, when we talk about it in this way, we're kind of speaking to it as, as clinicians, but it's a very different experience to be in the relationship with a partner that has these traits because they come across so confident of themselves. They have great hobbies. They're often leaders in a company. They're often leaders at a PTA Um uh, parent teacher association, what I'm saying is they're out and about and they're doing impressive things because they find themselves to be very impressive and therefore they're very driven and they're very passionate. And so these qualities can be very attractive when you're dating someone because you're, you're, you're taken back by this person. And, and as a, I think as a world, Claudia, we're really drawn to people that appear confident. And so what's really important is to know what's going on the outside is a very different experience than what's going on in the inside is I want to be everyone's center of attention. But the reality is deep down inside, if they're only having an understanding of themselves, they're really losing what's most valuable is connection, is the richness of knowing what it is to step into someone else's shoes, to learn about someone else. But there's a fear of, if you are talking about the needs of yourself, then I'm going to get lost in the way that I was lost when I was a child and I was a teenager and I had my needs that needed to be met, but my parent didn't make me feel important, didn't take in what was happening inside of me. Therefore, I don't want that to ever happen again. And I won't let that ever happen again. Yes, Trisha, and you said something so important is that they didn't outgrow that need that we have when we are children. And if we don't feel valued, if we don't feel important to our loved ones, so we become very trying to feel important to the point that we might become competitive. And if we take this to our adulthood, we're going to keep that for the rest of our lives. It's kind of hard to really have a sense that we have reached our goal of feeling important. If you try to attract people's attention and you get their attention and you feel important and you feel loved, then you satiate that need. You feel good about yourself. But when you are an adult and you didn't get that as a child, so you keep on doing that over and over and over. And even if people make you feel important, people give you the attention that you are seeking, it doesn't satiate your desire. You still keep on trying, trying, trying 
unless you get to a point that you realize what is really happening, that is not on the outside, it's not kind of getting that attention from people. It, but the thing is that you really truly accept yourself, that you see that you are valuable and you don't need people's attention, affirmation for you to feel good about yourself because that is dangerous as well. What if I try to get people's attention and they don't give me the attention that I'm seeking? So I might go to another place of being very disappointed and dissatisfied. So, but when we realize that we are valuable and we don't need that affirmation that we needed as a child, then, you know, this is going to help us uh, to overcome the narcissism traits and feel better about ourselves. And as, as I'm saying that all of us in some way have a little bit need of affirmation and acknowledgement. So one thing that we see in narcissist people is that they try to be the center of the attention. Wherever they are, they take a role of centralizing things in them. And they want in some way to show off. They want to be seen. They try really that people are going to notice them. So that's a kind of big need that they have, Trisha. Right. And it's a dangerous trait to have because if you focus on being the center of everyone's attention, there is this inherent selfishness, Claudio, that can really impact the negative cycle or the conflict in romantic relationships. Is the partner that is drawn to the confidence of this partner also is shut out by the center of attention as this individual may be focused and consumed on looking a certain way, sounding a certain way, being in a certain job, being able to, as a parent, if, if this partner shares children with this individual, there's also that I'm the best parent. So that everything kind of turns into a competition and that the partner experiencing this feels as though they're not in a team. They're not in a partnership where they feel that their needs and their experience matters, but that they actually feel a bit used. And that's something that I hear constantly with my partners that are with a relationship within a relationship that they identify their partner of having narcissistic traits is it feels that everything is a competition, that their relationships, their friendships are used for the purpose of making them look good. I wonder if I was made to look good, that I have to look a certain way. I have to be at a certain weight. I have to wear certain clothing. And then it really feels like there's a diminished relationship of do I matter? Did you, were you attracted to me for the reasons that I want to know uh, I was cherished by you? Not that I was used to be your partner, to look a certain way, to, to build up the way you look in the world, that there even can be the word manipulation. I hear that a lot in my, my sessions with clients as I feel a bit manipulated. I feel a bit gaslit. I know that that's a word we're hearing more often than not is where does my experience get to be known where I feel like we're growing as a partner rather than it feels that they are dating someone who's like 12 or 13. And I do hear that as well as I feel I'm dating, or I'm with someone who 
is still operating like a child and treating me mm-hmm. like I, like a child as well. As I, where do I get to feel that you are aware of how this is hurting me? Do you even care about mm-hmm. how this is hurting our relationship? And the answer is often, it's not about you. It's about me. And then there's a, how can I continue to exist in this if my feelings and my needs don't matter? And I can't feel safe to go to you about it because then you tell me that I'm an insensitive partner, that I don't care about the relationship. I'm not doing enough. Yes. And while you're talking about these now, Trisha, I remembered because I had a kind of a short relationship with a narcissist person. And I remember how she tried to compete with me and try to prove that she was better than me in everything. So like, for example, if I told her that I suffered from insomnia and then she said that she slept pretty well. And if I told her, like, for example, we were going to the airport and I was stressed and worried about losing the plane. And she said, well, I was really calm. I was really comfortable. And if I said that I was anxious and she said, oh, I don't have anxiety. So it was always that comparison and in some way trying to say that it was a favor that she was doing towards me to have me in her life. Like she was having to put up with me, this messed up guy, because she was so good and so perfect. And I also noticed when we were with other people, how she tried to centralize things. As I was saying, I tried to talk to them and like engage with them. And then she just cut me off. For example, when I said something, then she would say something. It's like she ignored what I said. It's like, you know, he doesn't know anything. Just pay attention to me here because... I am the cool person uh, between the two of us. But that's the thing too, because it's not only the competition and trying to prove I'm better than you, but the person lose empathy because they are so focused in feeling important that they forget about this other person that they are putting down, how this person feels, what is gonna be the impact on that person right but i also noticed how she would be totally deflated and sad if she noticed that someone decided to give me attention so i remember that we were in a tour and then there were other people with us and then a woman started talking to me Uh, the woman was talking to her first and she made friends with us. And then there was a moment that she was sharing something with me because she knows that I'm a therapist. She was talking about a previous partner, you know, and then my ex-girlfriend, she felt, I, I noticed that she was really deflated, like disappointed, like the attention wasn't on her anymore. And because she was feeling so good when the attention was on her. So for her, it seems like in some way for her to feel good, I would have to disappear in some way. And I wouldn't be important to anyone that would make her happy. 
So this we see like, as you said, it's a mixture of pride and selfishness and the inability to put oneself in another person's shoes. And, and like, I feel good at the cost of you. And I even don't care about what is happening to you because I am totally focused on myself. I'm feeling great. And if you're feeling bad, that's okay because I'm feeling great. And that's what is important to me. Right, right, Claudia, you're giving us such a helpful awareness. And I, I always, this is what I always appreciate about you is your willingness to be vulnerable and talk about these experiences that we've had uh, sometimes with our parents and sometimes it's with um, friends in our lives, but it's so painful when it's someone that we've found a loving relationship with. And in this case, an ex where you, in that phase, you're working so hard to find an opportunity to connect more deeply. And, and in this case, you know, when we look at it from an attachment lens, the partner who sees the narcissistic tendencies often says to themselves, what am I not doing enough of? Am I, I'm doing something wrong. So there, there's this vicious cycle. Then when we call an EFT, the negative cycle that stirs up the fear of I've caused them anger. It's me. I'm the one who's the problem. And so I really want to emphasize the feeling of, you know, being in a relationship with a narcissist is that you're usually upsetting them. You're causing them anger. You may be feeling that you're the source of the anger when they are the source of the anger is that, that nothing that you've just described, Claudio is inherently wrong as you connecting and being alive and present in the world is a beautiful quality and a wonderful trait for a partner to celebrate and enjoy. Um, and actually would admire and respect the fact that you have these skills, not only as a therapist, but this way of being in, in the world as a human being is to be curious of others and engage with others. But there is that, again, that competition of a need to control. So if there's a feeling that I see my partner engaged with someone else. There can be jealousy, there can be envy, and there can be a regression of a very young place within them when they felt as though they were not important to their caretaker. And that there is this need to control at all costs, even to harm their partner. And again, I use that word dangerous because it is a place where in a loving relationship, your experience gets lost if you don't feel that there's empathy there's validation, there's the recognition to see that you're equals, that this isn't about a partnership needing to be used to enhance the qualities of the other. I mean, it's, it's symbiotic, meaning that you are able to bring out the best in each other. So Claudia, as we talk about these traits, and we're, you know, again, I, I know that we're emphasizing, we are not meaning to put down someone who has narcissistic traits. It's not to villainize them, but it's actually to understand if these are symptoms that you are experiencing one as a partner, that you do observe yourself needing to be right, even to a point where you're causing yourself to be alone, there is help, there is support. And then the EFT model that we offer, there's a lot of growth that can come out of this in loving relationships. And that's where we re- frame to say, what is it like when you need to be right all the time that you get so angry and you push your partner away? Is that really what you want? And the answer is no, because it's a very, and, and what we want to also name is where this comes from is an inherent loneliness and a fear of, if you really knew all that was happening within me, you wouldn't like me. I'd be a fraud. 
and people would see all the things and all the deficits that I see in myself every day. And if we can kind of come from that lens to see where this comes is from a deep source of pain and shame of not being good enough, then we can also know there's a lot of good work that can come out of therapy. That That's why we're spending this time to talk about, to have an understanding of where this vicious, these, these traits that can push and drive away a relationship. If we're able to slow this down and have understanding, we can also do something different, which is what we do with EFT. Yes. Very good point, friend. And I appreciate that you are bringing compassion towards this, because what I think is that people with these narcissism traits, they were really uh, hurt in their childhood. They didn't feel appreciated. They didn't feel important. And they are just trying to, to feel loved and, and to feel like they are important. They are valuable. And we are trying to help them actually to find another way to get that, a way that is going to really help them and that is going to satisfy their needs that they see that as adults, they don't need that anymore. And what they really need to realize is I'm important, I am valuable, not because I am the center of the attention. I don't need these things to feel important. I don't need people to compliment me and, and to look at me as I am a perfect and beautiful and attractive and smart, you know, I'm important because I am a human being and I could even not have much knowledge and I could be poor and, and not be beautiful. I would still be valuable. So uh, it's not people who will make me valuable. I, I don't, I shouldn't depend on people really to uh, make me feel important because that's dangerous, as I said before. And uh, also, I don't need some superficial things. My value is in my existence. If I'm a human being, it doesn't matter my condition, I am valuable. So this is uh, what people really need to overcome their sense of not being important, or their lack of self-esteem. Right, Claudio. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation today. And our efforts as couples therapists is to demystify the mystery. I think that for a lot of our clients that come here and a great amount of confusion, and that's really what our, our podcast is about, is to slow things down and to have a better awareness and understanding of what we get curious about both partners' experiences is how did we get to this painful place where we don't feel connected anymore? And again, as always, we, we appreciate you for being here with us and we can't wait to rejoin you very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We hope you'll join us soon again for our next episode of Thriving Your Love.